Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium, episode 118. Bill and I start our conversation off with the idea of considering how psychology is sometimes used as a weapon used as a way to dismiss our political opponents, a trick that we learned in the 19th century and have been applying ever since, of assuming that our political opponents are the way they are because they're psychologically defective. It's a little bit better than simply assuming that they're bad actors, but uh, not necessarily a lot. It involves a lot of contempt. Um, from there, the conversation didn't go the exact uh, in the direction that uh, we had planned for it to go. We started At some point, we started talking about ways in which we uh, we dehumanize people, and sometimes we do it for direly, direly important reasons, like uh, the way we, we treat sex offenders. I mean, obviously, we have very, very strong reasons why we try to do the things that we do, and yet, at some point, we do have to, you know, we have, we, we have to remain aware, even if we can't think of a better solution, what the negative effects are of essentially dehumanizing someone, and essentially telling them that they're going to be a pariah for the rest of their lives. Um, and we even get to uh, back to discussing subsidiarity and the, uh, the fact that that requires us at lower levels in our individual lives and in the uh, groupings that we're actually a part of to take a certain responsibility because that responsibility is not going to be assumed if in, in a uh, political or cultural system that observes subsidiarity that responsibility is not going to be assumed by our higher level uh, structures. It's going to be assumed at the lowest level that it can reasonably be assumed. And that puts the responsibility on us, which is both bad and ultimately good. It's what we really need. That's why it's the best thing. So yeah, um, uh, somewhat, uh, the, I, th I think the segues uh, within the conversation will look a little more obvious than I've just made them sound. So, with, in any case, this is uh, this is uh, Bill and I's conversation about psychology and how it's used and mis misused. All right, welcome back to another episode of That's So Second Millennium. Welcome to 2021, folks. It, uh, it's uh, it's going to get uh, a little darker before it gets lighter. We're afraid, but hopefully, that is a light there at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see. Hope so. Amen, brother. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Today, looking at the world and the people who live in it, and and taking the uh, the focus on psychology that we've had for a while, um, and just try to we're, we've set ourselves the goal of having a shorter episode today. We'll see if we can uh, we can manage that. Sometimes we, we set ourselves that goal and don't quite manage it. But uh, to talk a little bit about the the uh, the use of psychology and attributing psychological uh, problems to our political opponents and the, the weapon that that has become in the last uh, couple centuries of, uh, of human political discourse. Of course, it's, it's not like people haven't always sought to find ways to uh, belittle and disparage their political opponents as being somehow defective human beings, but uh, that's, that is a particular flavor that the 19th and 20th centuries have given to it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, not... Uh, not as I think Bill would point out, uh, all that charitable or all that well in keeping with uh, what, say, Pope Francis would advi have advised to the media in, in one of his. Uh, is it World Media Day? Is that what that's called? Oh, a World Communications Day. Yes, it's coming up again. Day. Well, actually, the uh, 
Rogue Communications Day happens every year on the Sunday before Pentecost. Okay. But uh, the Pope always um, releases, premieres, debuts, as it were, his message for that day on January 24th, which is the feast day of St. Francis de Sales, who happens to be the patron saint of journalism, at least of Catholic journalism or Catholic values in journalism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's coming up soon. And yeah, uh, communications is one area of great dilemma and uh, great uh, confrontation these days and uh, of great need. Great chance for charity and great chance to be very uncharitable. Exactly. At the same time. Exactly. And with very direct implications for our politics and our culture and and in keeping with today's theme uh, uh, a very direct impact on our psychology I think uh, uh, if we don't if we don't have conversations like this and thank goodness our conversations tend to go longer rather than shorter Paul because I think that the uh, tendency in conversations these days among most people is for them to be of at least a zero duration or only, uh, terribly short. Uh, the limit as content goes to zero to right. be mathematical. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, conversation is being cut short in, in, yeah. a ver- in a variety of ways. Yeah, yeah, and it is it is too bad. Um, I mean, that is the problem. Is that we we're, I mean, I mean, this that's a commonplace that you know we're we we think about things you know. We're concerned with things so broadly rather than in any, you know, a reasonable number of things in depth. And that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to say what the answer is, but it's good to at least start by being conscious of it. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So some things, some things that I've witnessed in the last, uh, in the last few weeks, you know, mm-hmm. so there's a saying, and I was saying, telling you this before um, we started, you know, when I was you know laying out the ideas with Bill here, um, you know, there's, there's a tendency to do what's called in 12 step, uh, taking someone else's inventory. And of course that's a human failing and has been across history, but uh, you know, it takes that, it takes that specific form of, you know, I've read a number of books at this point about different aspects of psychology, trauma, let's say, for example. Um, and it starts out in a way it's, it starts out being charitable in the sense that, um, right. you know, so, so someone will take, adherence of a political movement, whatever it might be generally, generally on the right side of the political spectrum. And they will say, well, these people just have such awful family lives and economic circumstances growing up that they just become prey to all of these, um, you know, these ideas to demagogues to, to things like that. And it doesn't take very long for it to become gosh, uncomfortably, contemptuous i mean it it seems like perhaps the author him or herself is trying to conceal some of the contempt from himself or herself but uh but it comes across nevertheless yeah i mean it's to take that attitude is to is to adopt a superior position toward you know a lot of people to an awful lot of people um and to write off whatever yeah, I mean the fact that there are the fact that there are people who politically support Donald Trump as, you know, for example, as a or I mean, of course, and it, it happens to be going the other way as well. I mean, there are certainly people 
not as many people, not, not as sophisticated because that's just not a, you know, people on the political right don't focus on this as much as people on the political left. I, I think statistically that's fair mm-hmm. to say that, but that possibility is still definitely there. So. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good, that's a very good point that it starts out and it always has been uh, both natural and uh, kind of charitable in its, its intention to, to look behind the remarks uh, and to look behind any one particular um, uh, event or ac- action on a person's part, and to um, well, assume, the uh, assume the best about the person. The right. So you are, you, but just by dint of doing that, you are trying to interpret the person in a kind of psychological or kind of background way, and. Something has happened where now um, we've it's it, the the background knowledge that we think uh, 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 we have of people almost always tends toward the negative rather than the positive. It's almost it's the it's assuming the worst rather than assuming yeah. the best. And when you assume yeah. the worst, and especially because we've kind of dropped that distinction between the action yeah. and the person. Yeah. I mean, and, and you can see it in all sorts of issues. I mean, climate change is another one where, you know, that so many times I've read or, or even heard, you know, someone discuss, uh, you know, they, they take, you know, a certain set of putative facts as being things that everyone knows. And since everyone knows them, anyone who, disputes the need to take X, Y, or Z action, uh, governmental action regard, uh, related to climate change must be doing so in bad faith. Right. I mean, that's, that's another one where that, that easily gets, and I mean, and it happens the other direction too. I mean, there, there are also people who say, and, and everyone knows that, it, you know, this doesn't really matter because of X, Y, and Z. And everyone knows X, Y, and Z that, you know, it's just, you know, committing economic, you know, self-injury, if not suicide to, you know, to stop burning coal, to stop doing X, Y, and Z, um, or, or to introduce regulations, PQ and R. Right. Um, and it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, it's the assumption of bad faith and it, you know, it, it, and it, it comes from living in that. I mean, I think, I suspect that living in the echo chambers that we so easily construct for ourselves, uh-huh. or our technology helps us construct for ourselves. Right makes that point of view a lot easier to adopt. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, because uh, uh, we just keep confirming on all levels, psychological and factual, what we already believe or think we know. And so how can we conclude other than that the other person is mistaken huh? and, and mistaken uh, intentionally because <laughs> everyone, everyone should understand our position. Everyone, everyone should see that we're right. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's all right thinking people, which of course is the only people that I've not, you know, privately, if not publicly deplatformed for my own little okay. universe. Well said. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really interesting. And, um, I uh, I have mixed feelings for that reason 
on things like hate crimes. Um, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, there'll be uh, maybe forthcoming in society an expansion of the list of of hate crimes. No and more crimes will, yeah. yeah, more crimes will be treated as hate crimes. But um, it always struck me as sufficient to punish a crime as a crime and not as an act of hatred because we can't really – you know, uh, are, who are we to psychologically measure or identify the kind and level of of hatred or the the negativity or positivity right. of emotions in in the other in the other person, or simply that you know they might be under tremendous duress or psychological uh, dismay of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and especially, I mean, there's so many of these things that it's almost easier to argue from a secular materialist standpoint about some of these things, you know, if, if it really is true that, you know, this person literally couldn't help it because I mean, it's not like they have free will anyway. Um, it's not like that's really a thing. They're simply, you know, pinging around as the result of, you know, the combination of deterministic and probabilistic physical laws that we have. They're just doing right. whatever, you know, whatever comes from that, you know, how on earth does it make any sense to, you know, to, to sort of try to classify intention that way. Right. Right. Yeah. But we, we have uh, for better or for worse, we've set up ourselves generally as judges of the other and not just as fact finding judges. This person did or did not commit this crime or did not, or did uh, uh, take this action. But, um, uh, the you know now the the hate crime concept means that the uh, the hatred itself has to be corrected, and that means it has to be stamped out, and that means the person has to be at least deplatformed or or silenced or shunned or something. Oh yeah, the, the person has to be tainted. I mean, the way that we treat, um, which is itself. I mean, it's understandable, and it's you know probably controversial to even say this, but. Does it really, is it really that mm-hmm. good a thing? I don't know. I mean, there, there are a lot, there's a lot. And, and the, the fact that so many people do, there is so much recidivism among sexual um, offenders. I get why all of right, the laws right. that are in place, but I mean, but, but you, so the, the people putting those laws in place, surely I have to hope are aware that, the cost of what they're doing is that they're taking other human beings and basically, you know, tainting them for life, condemning them to bear this, you know, red letter S on their forehead. Right. Almost. Um, I'm this guy is a sex offender. He can't be trusted. He's fundamentally an awful human yeah. being. You want to stay yes. away from him. Yeah. I mean, and that's. Yeah, yeah. I can understand. I can understand it in, in, uh, in that case, maybe that is um, a, a unique case. Although, of course, everything has slippery slopes. The the um, the reason why there's such a uh, <laughs> would the term be a conservative approach to that issue? You know, a conservative in a non political sense. Um, uh, the right. reason why is because it, it it poses such a real and present danger uh, to uh, uh, or a possible. Uh, serious danger to to uh, you know kids in a neighborhood or 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 you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. parents feel particularly yeah. strongly on that. A, but when it 
but yeah, but when people, um, uh, when, when all crimes are, are handled that way, uh, yeah, it's, um, that, that, uh, yeah, I mean, cause I label hate crime is certainly that, that carries an enormous, I mean, that very term carries an enormous, um, psychological freight train of connotations right. with it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that would be interesting. Uh, I love the idea of talking about, um, psychosociology or social psychology. Uh, I, I think there's just so much more uh, of this, as you say, a kind of injection of, uh, of psychological thinking, reading people's minds, in a sense, um, that's going on um, in, the, in our um, criminal justice system and in, and in everything else. To the point where uh, you know the uh, the actions are almost less important than the reasons mm-hmm. behind them. For instance, uh, now while uh, you know uh, there'd be there'd be good reason to perhaps keep a a, a sex offender in in jail mm-hmm. if your if your inclination is uh, that uh, there are too many people in jail then people now are passing just very general laws or policies to just more or less randomly and generally let a lot of people with various kinds of offenses on their records out of jail. Uh, um, That's happening in a number of states, as I understand it, maybe because of COVID. Yeah, Yeah. has has been off and on since, I mean, the 60s at least, I think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, we we uh, I think we have to get back for one thing to the to some kind of distinction between actions and the 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 the, the person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to understand not just uh, you know what's going on in that person's brain, but also understand that there's a lot going on between that person and his or her relationship with God. Yeah. Such that uh, yeah. you know uh, uh, there, there's a role certainly for. Uh, some openness to forgiveness and mercy and to the fact that that person might might be deeply flawed but open to uh, change and uh, penitence that well penitence means uh, turning around right yeah. uh, uh, and um, that penitentiary penitentiary means that we used to believe that uh, jail was a chance for a person to uh, turn around to amend his ways yeah yeah, I mean, and that's another that's another awful side of you know the sort of secular materialist mindset is that it simply becomes a percentages game. You're like, well, the likelihood that that person is going to change is so small that we're just going to treat them as you know permanently flawed, and uh, we're just we're just not yes. going to get that. I mean, and I I want to pause for a moment and say I recognize that there are sexual predators in the world, and it is unquestionably worth taking very strong measures to make sure that children in particular are not, I'm not, you know, I, I, I feel like some listeners might, you know, take that as saying that I'm, I'm dismissing that and I want to go back to like a seventies sort of standpoint. And I don't want that at all, but it's just, yeah. I mean, and you think about, and of course I'm reading, um, I'm listening to uh, the betrothed. So that Italian historical novel um, from the, from the 19th century about the 17th century and thinking about the world that existed then and all the problems that it had and all of the hypocrisy involved in it, but it had options that we don't have. It had, 
it had monasteries and friaries and places where someone, you know, who might be, I mean, if you take our modern sort of appreciation of the powerful, you know, addictive, you know, nature of sexual predation. And if you, if you could marry it to a culture that had those resources that had this sort of wider spread, like, you know, ability to say, I mean, you know, in in the, even today in the church, we have the ability within the church to send an erring clergy to somewhere to a, um, you know, to a, to a monastery, to a uh, isolated location where they can actually do penance actually, you know, and be, and if, if they are say, you know, Cardinal McCarrick, um, you know, actually be isolated away from their potential victims. Um, and yet at the same time have some sort of positive that they can be working toward. That's right. And that's not yeah. something, you know, and instead of, instead of what we do in secular society in, in the United States in the, in the present day, where, you know, we put somebody's name on a list. And so everyone in the neighborhood just knows that this guy who's been in jail for molesting children is living in this neighborhood so that he can be treated like a pariah and people can keep their kids away from him. Right. Um, that doesn't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to square that circle of, you know, trying to protect potential victims from a potential perpetrator. And yet at the same time, give that, you know, past perpetrator the chance to actually reform and actually amend and actually become part of the community again. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, this is not what I, I, this is not what we discussed talking about, but I'm almost kind of glad we've got to this point because it almost seems more. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a deeper and more, you know, important thing. I mean, that's yeah. what, what do we do? You know, when, when our, when our neighbor has, you know, actually sinned, let alone simply disappointed us. <laughs> which is oh, right. That's right. Although we often treat those as identical. <laughs> well, exactly. Yes. And especially if people are kind of tending to play, uh, play God because they've uh, rejected the, the real God. Uh, right. Yeah. In a sense, uh, a violation of, uh, of me, namely God, is a violation of uh, cosmic uh, meaning and of cosmic importance, uh, and uh, uh, deserves to be uh, uh, some you know to put the offender on some kind of list, some kind of watch list, uh, yeah. because they're they're yeah. clearly uh, <laughs> they're clearly evil. Uh, yeah. But then again, that's the other aspect of having a, um, a, a, a supernatural. God, uh, uh, we've we've learned that. Uh, what's the line from uh, Rudy? I've learned that uh, uh, there is a God, and I'm not Him, and uh, and only that's God. in Rudy. I, yes, I've never heard anything that makes me more eager to go back and actually watch the entire movie than that uh, <laughs> that that quotation that you just. Uh, I, I do. I, I now want to find out where that is. That's funny. It, it, yeah, uh, it just uh, came up in a conversation I had uh, recently, and I'm sure. Uh, uh, it's, it's been used many times before and after. Uh, really. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But it, yeah, yeah. It, but it happens in the basilica at Notre Dame, where Rudy is talking with one of the Holy Cross priests, and uh, and uh, the priest uh, wisely uses uh, that line. I forget in what context, but yes, it's it's there, 
and uh, he's addressing something that uh, everybody uh, you know feels the need to to learn, or maybe used to, and, and still does deep down. But yeah, if you don't have if you don't have uh, a higher power, a higher uh, a god to appeal to for such things as justice and forgiveness and things like that, you're kind of left with your own. Yeah, yeah, you have to um, you have to make uh, decisions of cosmic importance about other people, uh, yeah. which is a, which is a very fearsome kind of power, a fearsome yeah. responsibility that people can't really handle well. I think uh, for the most yeah, yeah, a similar phrase I read somewhere in a piece of twelve step literature. It got awfully lonely sitting on that throne of God. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I I think that is so neat that. Um, the, uh, the the twelve steps programs have had this insight for so long. Uh, I mean, it's, it's. I think it's. I think it's. I take it as you know, un- yet another episode of God working in the world in the twentieth century that badly, badly needed it. Um, that you know, we continue to go our way, but God hasn't abandoned us. Yes, it's that. It's that mysterious, and you know, and sometimes to our taste, rather ugly. Um, you know, the God is going to let the world thrash about the way that it does. And yet he's not going to leave it by no means has he left it altogether um, to itself. And in fact, his providence is working all the time, even though awful things continue to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, we, I think um, maybe something else that's uh, subtly at work is our short attention spans as individuals and as a culture. And another reason why we have to, uh, uh, you know, sharply judge and long-term judge against uh, another person is that uh, we don't really have, we don't feel we have the time, nor does the other person have the right to the long time that it sometimes, that it sometimes takes to uh, uh, be penitent or to uh, make that conversionary uh, turnaround. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's going to that's going to set things, set things right. It's not up to us at this single moment to set things right. There's a higher power that that's going to do that in a much more efficient and um, effective effective way. Yeah. Whether it looks efficient to us or not is another question, but well said. Yeah. Oftentimes what God does seems to be terribly inefficient. (laughs) Yeah. Our, to our, at least to my consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what, do we, what would it be to be being itself and have absolutely limitless resources? That's yeah. We can't. We really don't. We really can't. Yeah, that. and at the same time that we've um, become more conscious wrongly of uh, thinking that we're God, we're also kind of conscious yeah. that uh, uh, our resources are limited. Uh, drastically uh, yeah, ex- far from it exactly exactly yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's there's also that kind of desperation that that sets in you always you want to correct everything all at once um, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh I'm so familiar yeah. with that in my own life uh, as well as in you know bizarre, grandiose daydreams about what I would do if I was, you know, emperor of the Americas or something like that. Right. Yeah. And uh, although even in my worst, most grandiose moments, I don't think I want to try to tackle the problems of the old world. (laughs) Fair enough. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Our own <laughs> our own worlds are quite enough uh, hassle. Uh, thank you. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. But but yeah, yeah. No, so more problems are presented to us now as uh, whole world problems like global warming and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the pandemic stuff and economic stuff and yeah yeah. yeah. So it's uh, yeah it's 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 uh, pretty uh, and of course uh, if we don't think we can do it ourselves, the one institution that a lot of people still have at least a bit of faith in is politics and government. And so we we turn to them yeah. to solve the problems. Despite government's best efforts to disappoint uh, us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, when, when government's best efforts uh, still focus on trying to impress us and try to, try to make it look like they're helping us, now they have to uh, go into not only deficit spending, but creation of money supply uh, out of, uh, you know, more or less thin air or digital air. And so uh, it's kind of, um, we're, we're asking government to do what it doesn't have the resources to do. Well, yeah, I mean, that yeah. at the very least, I think we can look at the 20th century and say government's ability to manage the economy in any detail. Um, I mean, managing the economy in detail is the job of our us individually. I mean, that we should have the economic freedom and, and the, and the ability to, to know what we're doing. I mean, that's yeah. government's role is, is to create a, a safe marketplace where we can interact rather than, um, I mean, that, you know, that goes back to subsidiarity and everything else that, uh, yeah. that we've discussed, um, with Aida and otherwise, um, right. that, uh, yeah, that we need the, uh, we need, we need to let things be handled at the lowest level at which they can be handled. Higher levels exist yeah. because there are times when we need that extra layer of coordination. We need to be able to, you know, we, somebody needs the power to stop bad actors. Yes, that, for example. Um, yeah. But when that's not the case, we kind of need to let, you know, ourselves individually take the responsibility. And, you know, we need God's help for that, like we do with everything else. But, um yeah, to, to take the responsibility for our own actions and say, all right, there could be negative consequences from this. I might not be right. Um, I might, there might be, you know, some reason not to do this. And I just, I just don't know. And I've got to do something. And then if negative consequences come along, yeah. trust that we, you know, we'll be able to get through them. Right. But yeah. And we don't necessarily. I love that. Yeah. 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 Uh, You've helped me see the uh, sub- the idea of subsidiarity in a different light. Uh, the subsidiarity always made sense to me um, as a matter of uh, moral uh, health and overall uh, sustainability uh, of effectiveness. Uh, but uh, you've uh, just pointed out that uh, one reason why subsidiarity has been taught by the church is probably for our own psychological good. Uh, we can only handle um, uh, uh, what's local to us or uh, what seems manageable within our grasp of understanding and control. Uh, Obviously, we have to think big thoughts and we have to be very wise about the full global and national, every level of context of a problem. But we can only only act at at the local level as, as human beings living everyday lives. Yeah, I mean, us individually and, you know, and anyone in a, you know, a position of power and authority, 
you know, say the president of the United States, his actions have, um, you know, ramifications all over the place. That's true. But all he can deal with is the digested amount of information that people hand to him. Yeah. And someone, someone has to do that and someone has to take responsibility for that. Um, you know, and, you know, by the time a cabinet level minister in a government, you know, has gotten reports from people at God knows how many layers down. Right. You know, before, you know, between say the UK minister of finance or something and the, um, you know, and the common person in the street, you know, every, every, everyone in that chain has their own responsibility. Yes. Yes. That's right. And, uh, uh, that's a, that's a whole other discussion too, how everybody needs to have a greater sense of responsibility. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and at the same time, you know, but, and, and at the same time, the freedom to, you know, not be, at the level of responsibility that they're at, not to have more asked of them than it's possible for a human being to, to deliver. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. In a sense, um, we've relieved ourselves of the local micro levels of responsibility um, uh, for just doing right and wrong at every moment in every little uh, uh, micro decision that we're making. Uh, and, and instead, we've chosen to adopt this uh, global sense and cosmic sense of responsibility for, for correcting the world and changing the world. And that's, that's, that's a responsibility we're not going to handle well. No. Yeah. no. Yeah. Well, that was exactly not what we uh, set out to discuss today. But, uh, <laughs> but that too <laughs> means, we have, means we have good ideas for a future conversation. We, oh, absolutely. We may be, able to, may be able to come back and revisit those. So. Yeah, maybe our listeners will, uh, will have further conversations with with their own friends and family about this kind of thing. I think ultimately we do have to find more places to have conversations that we're comfortable in because there are more conversations that we feel comfortable places to have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, exactly. We have to build back up to that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I think given both of our schedules, we should probably call it there for today. Okay. At least I can I can certainly say that for me because I've got uh, I've got a new job and a lot of preparations to make for tomorrow. So yes, and I do wish you all the very best in in that, and I'll be interested in in updates and all. And uh, yeah, you're 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 taking on a new set of uh, responsibilities, uh, but at very good local uh, levels and with a personal diligence. So uh, so I think you're going about it the right way. Yeah, well, I'm doing my best. To, to, to shoulder my own responsibility as for being a responsible human being and a steward of the gifts that I have. So there you go. Yeah. Let us all try to do that. Yes. Well, thanks Paul. Yeah. Good to talk with you as always. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, go forward friends and neighbors. And uh, if you don't have the good fortune of being in uh, Florida or Hawaii, um, you know, continue to bundle up against the cold and uh, <laughs> we'll see you in February. Thanks for listening to this episode of that's so second millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.